Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome back to Head of the Pack. We haven't talked to you guys in a while. We're back with a training camp preview episode. Myself, Bill, uh, long time no talk. Not much has gone on with this team in the past weeks and months, right, Bill? <laughs> it's been uh, taking a few years off our lives, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just glad it's – well, I guess we can say it's over, right? Um, he's there. Rob Domofsky had the total evidence of it today, so he's there. Um, so at this point, I assume they'll finalize whatever needs to get finalized, and then he can call us all out for being over dramatic and stirring the, stirring the pot, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I fully expect him if he practices and, and talks this week. Um, I guess there's no guarantee he practices on Wednesday since there might still be a couple small details to iron out in this rework deal or agreement, whatever you want to call it, that he, he has with the Packers. We haven't even mentioned him by name yet. We're talking about uh, Tim Boyle. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers. Um, we'll see if he practices tomorrow. But whenever he does talk, I fully expect him to either say, A, oh, it was all blown out of proportion. I'm here. Or B, yeah, that, that happened, but I just want to focus on football. I don't expect him to delve too much into it. We'll ask the questions that, that you guys know need to be asked, but no guarantee he answers them. Um, what'd you think of kind of the, the structure of it that Schefter reported yesterday, how it seems like it's a, a essentially a one-year agreement that sets up for, I don't know, is a more amicable parting of ways, the right way to put it. I mean, who knows if they're even going to part ways? What if they solve everything in the next year and he's here for, until his career ends? <laughs> yeah, this is a major victory for the Packers, isn't it? Um, I would look, say so. When they drafted Jordan Love, everybody knew 2022 was it, right? I mean, between 21 and 22 would be it because, you know, you, you get rid of Rodgers after 21. You see oodles of cap space. Jordan Love needs to play so you can make an informed decision on the fifth-year player option. So this has been the plan, like, all all along, right? So what what did Rodgers accomplish? Except the Packers are going to move on after 2021. Well, la-di-da, they're going to move on after 2021. Well, I, I guess 
from what it seems he accomplished is having their word that they'd trade him if he still wants to be traded. But what if he doesn't want to be traded? Here's a hypothetical. What if Aaron Rodgers goes out and wins MVP again and the Packers win a Super Bowl? And, and maybe the ways players are treated in the organization and all the people issues that Rodgers talked about, maybe they're not entirely saved but they get, or, or entirely fixed, but they get better. Does Rodgers still want out if he wins? A, let's say Devontae Adams signs a long-term extension. Jair Alexander signs a long-term extension. David Bakhtiari is here long-term. Aaron Jones is here long-term. Does Aaron Rodgers still really want to trade? Like, I, 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 I guess. Maybe it's just the, the natural optimist in me. Why, why wouldn't Aaron Rodgers want to stay and be like, uh, sorry, Jordan, um, Packers want to keep me around. And, and let's say Aaron Rodgers has four good years left and the Packers aren't sold on what they have in Jordan Love yet. Do they say, you know what? We're going to extend Aaron since that's what he wants and go back to the drawing board with our next QB. We'll draft one in, a, in, a, in another year or two. Why can't that happen? That's a great point. This buys the Packers, what, five, five and a half months to come exactly. to the solution. Yeah. Um, you know, I have no idea if Trey Wingo's report is correct about Randall Cobb. Yeah, that, I, let's say, I, that's accurate. Yeah, okay. So let's say the Packers trade for Randall Cobb. Rodgers apparently wants some say in personnel matters. I mean, why else would you trade for Randall Cobb than to please the quarterback? I mean, you, you just drafted your slot receiver. Right. And I wouldn't be surprised if Amari Rodgers is a better player say week eight of the season that Randall Cobb's going to be. Um, so to me, um, yeah, if, if Rodgers gets some say in some things like Randall Cobb, um, yeah, I could, I could certainly see him come back or want to come back. The thing is Randall Cobb still has a pretty sizable cap hit, relatively speaking. Yeah. Um, and like you just mentioned, the Packers drafted the guy they hope is the next Randall Cobb and a guy who's very close with Randall Cobb and Amari Rodgers. I'm um, obviously built a little different, but um, yeah, uh, the only way I could see the Packers, it certainly it wouldn't make sense personnel wise. Um, obviously he could probably contribute here this year and take Amari Rogers under his wing. Certainly wouldn't hurt, but the only way I could see them doing it. And if they did, it would be a clear, clear concession to Aaron Rodgers. That's mm -hmm. the only reason they would do it. They, they would not even think about bringing Randall Cobb back if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers asking for him back. I don't know if he's formally asked for them to trade for Randall Cobb. I don't know if that's a thing you can formally do anyway, but if that happens, that'll be a clear sign that Aaron Rodgers does have some say now. And maybe that's the first step to healing things long-term. Listen, he said he wants to play into his 40s with the Packers. He's said that before. He's obviously acknowledged since then that he, he doesn't necessarily determine that. He's 37. Let's say he has five more good years left. If he plays at an MVP level again and he has four, four good years left, do the Packers extend him for four more years and then go back to the drawing board in two years for their next quarterback? I, I could see that happening. Do I think it's likely? No, but because the issues within the organization that Rodgers has seem more deep-seated than just a personnel move here or there. But if they fix it, I don't know if this is the end of the road. And, and I think right now, I don't even want to think about next off season yet. <laughs> that makes two of us. Holy hell. I don't even want to think about that. I just want to not enjoy, but cover this season. Aaron Rodgers is back. It'll be a great story. After everything that went on, it'll be a great story. If this is the last dance to see what they can do. You're right. Um, If they do 
if he, if they do commit to him long term, I mean, they're going to have to move on from Jordan. I mean, Jordan's love's not going to resign here. I mean, that'd be stupid. I mean, you, the guy wants to play. So you're right. If this Cobb thing happens and, and Rodgers feels like, hey, they listen to me, then he turns out and has another good season. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think there could be an amicable um, resolution as far as committing long term. I mean, Murphy said it umpteen times now. Yeah, and then or we look on the the other side. It, it seems as if this is set up to give Rodgers the freedom to choose where he wants to play. Say, trade me here, and then they do it. Not, we'll trade you here, and you'll do it. So uh, it'll be fascinating to see what happens with the Aaron Rodgers scenario. Um, I think we all have a little bit of Aaron Rodgers fatigue from this story. So let's talk about, let's, let's quickly touch on each position group on the Packers roster, quick thoughts and maybe a battle at the position group. We're looking forward to watching in training camp um, running back. Obviously Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are there. What do you think is going to happen at the number three running back spot? We haven't obviously seen much of Kylan Hill, we haven't seen much of Dexter Williams, even though he's been here. So I, I, I tend to think he'll be on the outside looking in. The guy I'm interested in is Patrick Taylor. Didn't practice really at all last year because he was uh, still nursing that foot injury he, he sustained at Memphis. But, you know, th that number three running back will probably get around 10% of the snaps. A.J. Dillon got a little under 10 last year, but that's with a month-plus miss because of COVID. So maybe the third running back will get 10 15% of the offensive snaps. Certainly important. Um, it, I put Kylan Hill on my roster projection, but I think it could be Hill or Patrick Taylor. Yeah, you don't draft Kylan Hill to, to putz around with him. Um, look, he's a he's a three down back. I mean, he never got the ball last year as as a runner, but I mean, he had a couple double digit receptions games at Mississippi State, so I would think he fits exactly what they want to do. Um, I think he is a lock to be number three. I wonder if I wonder if will keep four. Um, there is no fullback on the roster, so do you keep four? Um, not, either way, I think Dexter Williams is out. He's been he's been here long enough. He's done nothing. It's time to move on. Yeah, I also think, you know, in years past, well, as long as I've been here, they they kept Tyler Irvin as that fourth guy, at least last year, because he could factor in the return game. I don't think Patrick Taylor, Dexter Williams, or Kylan Hill are going to be returners. So um, they might keep three and maybe add another at tight end as like an H-back or something, but... Um, speaking of tight end, Tunyon and Mercedes are, are locks. I think they're going to keep four. I tend to think it's Daphne and DeGuara. And, and I would say that even before Sternberger was suspended for the first two games of the season for, uh, violating the league's policy on substances of abuse last year at the end, at least of the season, Daphne and Sternberger were both healthy. And Daphne was, yes, yeah, Sternberger had a concussion, but when he was healthy, Daphne was still playing over him. Um, so I tend to think Daphne has the upper hand going into camp and they really like DeGuara and they're going to give him another chance after he rehabbed from his torn ACL. Yeah. The only thing that maybe saves Sternberger, A, it's a suspension. So he has to stick around for a couple of games. Um, but then that's a, that's a hell of an investment draft wise and, and money wise. And maybe, maybe just being a third round pick buys him another year. You know, maybe you mentioned running back. Um, Maybe if they maybe they go three backs and five tight ends, and that that's how Sternberger sticks around it. But well, you hate to go on a third round pick after two years, especially two injury years to him. I and mean, those he had the concussion in camp right. as a rookie, and then the ankle injury, and then another concussion last year. Uh, that's maybe he just needs to stay healthy. I just uh, you know he was 
so squarely on the roster bubble last year. There was a debate within the team about him or Evan Bayless that did they give Sternberger another chance? And, and yeah. it's clear that he's slipped up and even when healthy, he hasn't been great. So I just wonder if, if his leash will be even longer. I know he's a recent draft pick, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah. We know that's a good, that's a, that's a, one of the top things to watch for sure. At wide receiver. Uh, I think I expect them to keep six again. Adams, MVS, Lazard, Amari Rogers, and I think Funchess are the locks. I, I assume Funchess would be, unless he completely forgot how to catch a football. He just looks like a wide receiver. And then I think the sixth spot will come down to, well, I mean, if if they trade for Randall Cobb, he'll get the sixth spot or whatever. He'll be one of the six. Um, I think it'll come down to Jawan Winfrey, Equinemius St. Brown, and Malik Taylor. And... Winfrey was showing out during off-season work. Um, if he carries that into preseason, it'll be hard to cut him. Taylor can obviously help on special teams. And St. Brown, he probably has the most upside, but he just hasn't really – I know he's been injured, but he just hasn't really produced. Yeah, um, I, I see this punches versus St. Brown as, as, the, as that big guy backup. Um, and you mentioned, I mean, Adams, Valdez Scantling, Lazard, Rogers, and if there is Cobb, that's – you're, you're pretty well locked in. Um, so I, I could see it being a, a big guy, big guy battle there. And who, who can, who can play on special teams? You know, St. Brown is, I don't think has ever really distinguished himself there. And I have no clue if punches has ever played special teams. So, you know, can those guys block and they cover? I don't know. Right. It'll be interesting. Wide receiver is always an interesting camp battle. Um, offensive line. Obviously the thing we'll all be watching is, how soon David Bakhtiari returns to team drills. Um, I would not put it past him to start week one. It, he didn't do any real practicing during the off season, but if there's anyone who can be ready for week one after a torn ACL at, at his weight, it's David Bakhtiari. So I wouldn't put it past him. Um, so I have Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Patrick. Runyon and Patrick, it'll be interesting to see who starts at right guard. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that. Then also Billy Turner and then... I have Royce Newman, Simon Stepaniak, Ben Braden, and Cole Van Lannen as the last four with Yash Nyman right on the outside, just because I think I don't think he can play inside. Um, and obviously that's super important with your reserve offensive lineman to be able to play multiple positions. And Van Lannen can, Royce Newman can, Ben Braden can. So I think that's why they'd probably stick around. They got 16 guys on the old line, Matt. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, yeah, it's hard to quibble with what you said. Um, go, going 10 deep there. Nyman is hugely important, I think. Well, maybe not hugely important, but I think he's important. Um, they don't have a backup offensive tackle, like a pure offensive tackle. They've got guys who can play offensive tackle. But do they have a pure offensive tackle? The only guy they have is Nyman. Now, he's two years, and this, this is his third year, and he's never distinguished himself. Um, but if he can, I mean, the guy is... He's right at a central casting. He's tall. He's athletic. He's everything you could ever want in a tackle. He just hasn't put it together yet. Let me ask you this. Let me interject real quick. It, if Bakhtiari gets hurt or Billy Turner gets hurt, they just move Elton Jenkins out to tackle. So wouldn't that reserve guy be a guard instead? Because your backup tackle is Elton Jenkins. So you need your reserve, your, your backups to be guards because that's the spot you'd need someone to fill in at. Sure. Um, I guess you have to weigh it as, Let's say Bakhtiari isn't ready for week one. Is 
Elton Jenkins, no, I mean, excuse me, is maybe, maybe they move Billy Turner, whatever they would do. Um, whoever starts at offensive tackle and Elton Jenkins, is that a better combination than Elton Jenkins and some other guard? Because obviously you're, you're going to be worse at two spots if you move Jenkins. Um, you're, are you better off just being worse at one spot? I guess you have to weigh um, the amount of the amount of worseness uh, you're going to be there. But right, yeah. If Jink, if if Nyman can play, um, that'd be big. So you don't have to, you don't have to go play musical chairs. And it's going to be tough replacing Corey Lindsley. Uh, I think an underrated storyline is a center who's never taken a snap in the NFL before with a quarterback who's in his 17th season. <laughs> That'll be fascinating to watch and. And I think, like I said, um, Runyon and Patrick will duke it out at right guard, and that should be an interesting position battle too. Yeah, going to going to Myers, Myers in love, but that would have been tough. Having a first-year quarterback and a first-year quarterback of the line trying to diagnose um, the deepest coordinator's game plan on the fly, that would have been a tough sledding to have a very experienced guy like Rodgers here. Well, which should, should ease Myers' learning curve a bit. Right. Um. I've kind of always thought they might get rid of Patrick just because they they do have cap problems. But if Rodgers does restructure, kind of like a max restructure, that that maybe maybe clears up that issue because Patrick was really good last year. I mean, understatedly so. I mean, he's not an All Pro or anything, but right. Um, Lucas Patrick was none of their problems last year. I agree. Um, switching over to defense, I think the defensive line. No reason to believe. Um, they'll be any better than they have been the past two years. You know, it's a unit that outside Kenny Clark and a little bit of Kingsley Kiki last year can't really get after the passer. Um, they've been mediocre against the run. And Brian Gutekunst, yes, he drafted TJ Slayton in the fifth round, but hasn't really done much to inspire any optimism that this group can be anything more than a middle-of-the-pack unit. Yeah, Kenny Clark needs to be a lot better. I mean, he was phenomenal in 2019, got that extension early in camp in 2020, and just, you know, like he, he was, was really good. He was good, but we just expect more of him. Yeah, you know, Pro Football Focus has all these analytics, and um, one of their pass rushing things, he was like fifth or sixth, and one of the run stepping things, he was fifth or sixth. He was the only defense alignment in the NFL to be top 16 in both, and he was top six. And the guy was dominant last year, he was nowhere to that level. I think Slayton is huge. He's the one guy who can really help that run defense. Maybe he won't, but at least you got a shot at it because, like you said, the run defense has been chronically bad, and if Slayton can give you 15 snaps a game of pretty good run defense. That'd be a big help. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if you're looking for a jump from one guy, I think it needs to be from Kiki because I, I think he's the, the guy most likely to uh, supplement Kenny Clark. You know, I, I – yeah, this is only my third year covering the team, but I just don't expect much from Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster. No. Like, why would I, you? Know? I, they'll always be here. They'll always get a body in the way. Um, Jerry Montgomery will always say, "I'm liking what I'm seeing," but they're never going to do anything great. Dean Lowry had uh, he had three sacks last year, but man, I mean, otherwise he's just invisible. I mean, he right. he plays every week. He plays forty snaps every week, but it's uh. Yeah, you, you got to do better. Unfortunately, they don't have anybody to do better with. You're right. Kiki's got to take that next step because that's where there's a chance to also improve. And Lancaster's Lancaster. He's a try-hard, undrafted guy who's probably maxed out what he can do. I think someone else 
who needs to be better against the run or multiple people is, is the edge rushers um, specifically in NFC championship games. But that's a, that's yeah. a story for another day with that group. It's obviously the Smiths and Rashawn Gary, you know, the fourth spot could be Randy Ramsey, Jonathan Garvin, Delonte Scott. It really doesn't matter because that fourth spot isn't going to play much barring injury. Um, and those three guys, the, the Smiths and Gary have stayed largely healthy the last two years. Um, how much do you think we'll see all three of them on the field at the same time? Because they're at the point in their careers, you know, if Preston slimmed down and he's more like 2019 Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary's at the point where he's ready for a full workload, there's no more spoon feeding him. Um, I would almost like whether it's moving Z inside, moving Gary inside, have one of them replace a defensive lineman, put their hand down because I think if you have those three guys on the field at the same time, it creates way more problems for opposing offenses than if you have, than if you have to pick and choose two of them and then throw Kiki or Dean Lowry on the field with them too. I mean, you talked about run defense, Matt, and that's where it is. If you're going to have Z playing in the middle, he's just got to be tougher. Yeah. I mean, there's, there are too many times and those guys just seem totally disinterested in playing run defense. Um, so if you're going to go that route in which they probably should, this is your best, they're among your best players. Um, it needs to be an attitude adjustment. Can can Joe Barry get that done? Can he convince the Darius that, hey, if you play run defense, you can go get the quarterback on third down, or it's just the same old, same old where those guys just run hot and cold. And, you know, if the team's doing well, they play well. And if the team's not doing well, they kind of mail it in. Yeah. And that's what we've seen in recent years in the NFC title games. But yep. um, it, it, the real issue, I th- the only position group on this team where I see a real deficiency as in I don't see guys that get like defensive line, there's Kenny Clark. Outside linebacker, we know they have some studs. Secondary, yes. Inside linebacker, no. And I mean, you could copy and paste me saying that for the last 15 years of Packer football. They just haven't had that playmaking inside linebacker. They got Devondre Campbell, but it's kind of a, a signing that they hope accomplishes what the Christian Kirksey signing did not. A veteran guy to lead that room, stay healthy, make plays. Kirksey obviously didn't do. He's on the Texans now. Um, Devondre Campbell will, will probably play some. He knows Matt LaFleur from his time in Atlanta. And then Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin is really who it rests on. You know, They battled some injuries, some COVID issues last year. But it's up to one of them, hopefully both from the Packers' perspective, to show that they can be the guys of the future and for Devondre Campbell at age 28 to come in here and give them something right away. Yeah, this is their fourth consecutive year on a kind of a Hail Mary of sorts. There was um, Antonio Morrison. That didn't work. B.J. Goodson didn't work out. Obviously, Kirksey didn't work out. Campbell's a good player. I mean, this guy, he's a better player than those guys. We're now, is he a descending player? He may be. I mean, there's a reason why maybe he was – available in June, but he's a big guy um, whose history is that he can play pass defense. Uh, he was an every down player for the Cardinals last year until they let Isaiah Simmons take over that role. Uh, I'm interested to see, he might, he might be a guy who changes things. And, you know, Chris Barnes is something he had more on a snaps per tackle basis. He was ahead of Zach Cunningham of Houston and Cunningham led the NFL in tackles. So, yeah. Um, to let him get back into a, or uh, take that year or two jump, you know, maybe, maybe they'll be all right there. I mean, I'm not saying that him and Campbell are, are going to be pro bowlers, but I, I think there's a chance to be markedly better there. 
And, you know, Kamal Martin was the darling of camp on, on the defensive side of the ball before he had that knee surgery, kind of a, a lingering issue from college. If he's healthy, I think he could be a, a really yep. nice player. So if a, a playmaker comes out of the middle of that defense, it'll be a little bit of a surprise, but I'm sure a welcome one at that for the Packers. Now let's talk about the secondary. This is a fascinating group. Um, and we'll touch on cornerbacks and safeties at once. Jair uh, is a stud, one of the best corners in the league. I think Adrian Amos and Savage are one, maybe the most underrated safety tandem in the league. It's that CB2 spot that's interesting. And I am fascinated to see if Eric Stokes has a really good camp, would the Packers dare start him over Kevin King? Or is Eric Stokes just there in case Kevin King gets hurt again? Yeah, great question. You know, what if what if Stokes and King are both good? And then so yeah. can you start those guys and put Jair at the slot slash star position? Um yeah, Stokes is I mean, Stokes has got everything you'd ever want in a corner. Um that Georgia he grabbed too much, really didn't make many plays. I mean, I really say four interceptions last year, but they they were all thrown to him. Um, it seems like maybe he's a bit of a project, but hell, I mean, Kevin King's always hurt and uh to sit here for me to sit here and say, Well, if Kevin King can stay healthy, well, shoot, you know. <laughs> that yes. seems like a waste of oxygen to say that, right? Right. I mean, if he hypothetically, if he can, he can be good. When when he played 15 games a couple of years ago, he was tied for fifth in the league in passes, defense, and interceptions. Um, but that's the biggest if on this team is if Kevin King can stay healthy. You just don't want to put all your eggs in a basket hoping for that to happen, which is why they drafted Eric Stokes. Yes. And – for people who say, oh, we're getting another receiver for Rodgers. Uh, NFC Championship game, Adams, Lazard, and MVS had 16 for 244 and two touchdowns combined. The problem was Shannon Sullivan and Kevin King and everything on that side. I'm saying that side, the opposite side of Jair Alexander. So um, it'll be interesting to see who plays the star. That's obviously got to be someone who's versatile, can can step down in the box, can, can drop back, can – guard wide receivers, slot receivers, outside receivers. Jerry Gray told us, you know, they have four or five guys that they think can play that role. By the time the season rolls around, they want to get to one and two, one or two. You would have to think those two are Savage and Jair. Um, but it'll be interesting to see who they kind of settle as the main guy there. And Joe Barry said that guy will probably play 80% of the defensive snaps in that role. So I don't expect to see more than one inside linebacker on the field too much. It'll Pretty, I mean, Packer fans are used to that. It'll always be right. multiple defensive backs, but just in, in which alignment. And and then the question is, Bill, who do you put at safety if Savage steps down? Is it Vernon Scott? Is it Henry Black? Is it Will Redmond? I don't know. Yeah. Hey, before we flip the safeties, does Josh Jackson make the team? I, I think so. I think he's one of the guys like Oren Burke. From that 2018 draft class, Josh Jackson, Oren Burks, uh, EQ, uh, J.K. Scott, guys who are on their last chances. And I don't see a role for Josh Jackson on this team, except, you know, he's not the third cornerback anymore because Eric Stokes is here. I don't think he can play the slot. But if you are if you need a sixth cornerback, do you take Josh Jackson or do you take Kadar Holman? They're, you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not like they're both developmental guys. You know, Holman's one year younger or, or has one year less of experience. So – I'll go Jackson, yes, um, just to give him the benefit of the doubt that he figures something out with Joe Barry. Yeah, maybe Joe Barry's exactly what he needs, kind of that, kind of that fresh start after he fell in Mike Pettin's doghouse. I mean, the guy was inactive 
for the yeah. playoffs behind a guy who they released after the draft. I mean, good heavens. What was that? Kavari Russell? Yeah. I don't know how to say his first I name. That's why I didn't name. say it. Yeah, that, that's crazy. But yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if they stick a young guy in there at safety, but you just can't, you can't be a Super Bowl team and play Will Redmond. No, With all due respect can't. to Will Redmond, you can't play him any significant snaps on defense. Special team, sure. Go ahead. Have at it. But defense, no. The guy missed, the, he led the league and missed tackles last year, like on a per tackle basis. I mean, my God. And in under misses as Adrian Amos had. An underrated aspect of that NFC Championship game is right before that play at the end of the first half where Scotty Miller burns Kevin King, Tom Brady lofted one up yep. well within the field of play right into Will Redmond's hands. I was the closest person to him, and Will Redmond dropped it. Sure, I don't even know Aaron, he got his hands in the ball. Aaron Rodgers should so have, shouldn't have, yeah, Rodgers shouldn't have thrown it into tight coverage to Lazard. Um, had some clock mismanagement. Then Redmond drops it. So it's a whole chain of events, but that was an inexcusable play and kind of a microcosm for what Will Redmond has been or hasn't been able to do in his time here. Um, there are some battles at special teams this, this training camp, and I'm talking the specialist positions. Mo Drayton, the new special teams coordinator, said uh, J.K. Scott and Hunter Bradley, when we first talked to him this offseason, that their backs are up against the wall. I, I don't think Mason Crosby, Crosby's job is in jeopardy. Um, yeah, the extra points need some work, but he made every field goal he took last year. J.J. Molson, uh, the kicker from UCLA, is, is probably just there to, to give Crosby some reps off. Um, but Ryan Winslow with J.K. Scott and Joe Fortunato, who you've talked to, who hasn't played in a game since 2015 at Delaware, uh, I think those punter and long snapper batters, battles will be as interesting as punter and long snapper battles can get. Fortunato is a great story. Yeah, I mean he's never he's never competed in a training camp. He would have he would have with Dallas last year, but the NFL made um, teams cut to eighty rather than ninety, so he got whacked there. But God bless him. If someone's going to tell me no five years in a row, I'm going to quit and move on with my life. And God bless him for for trying. Hunter Bradley's not good. No. Um, maybe he maybe he needs this, but um, lest anybody forget the NFC divisional game against the Rams, where um, that snap. Landed somewhere near um, De Pere. I think J.K. Scott might have J.K. Scott might have the best hands in the team. <laughs> hey, J.K. Scott might have better hands than Devontae Adams. He's yeah, a good holder. He uh, saved their he's, bacon. Yeah, I mean his punts haven't been as good as they should be, or as consistent as they should be. But holder is an underrated role, and that battery of Scott and Crosby. Um, has been pretty good. So I, I think Scott has a much better chance at making the team than Hunter Bradley. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned Ryan Winslow. He's punted a couple times. He was at the Cardinals a couple years ago and he punted for a couple games. It did pretty well, but uh, who knows? I mean, he's yeah. got a little bit of experience. He's done pretty well with it, but you know, who knows how he handles over the long haul and can he handle the cold weather and everything that goes into it? You know, Scott in the playoffs is pretty decent for what it's worth. Right. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
Um, all right, that's the roster. We're going to get to some questions now, and we have a bunch. Sweet. Uh, Bob Sacamono says, who's going to break through at CB2 with the introduction of Stokes and Jean Charles to challenge King and Sullivan? Yeah, I, I know we already touched on um, Stokes and King, that ordeal, but that nickel corner spot with Jean Charles from Appalach Appalachian State uh, led the FBS in passes defense last season. Shannon Sullivan, he, he, he's just another guy. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Shamar uh, eventually beats him out or takes some snaps from him. Yeah, Shamar looked like a fish out of water. I thought he was really overmatched. Mm -hmm. um, but shoot, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. Shannon Sullivan is too. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't put much on. I mean, here's a guy who's played with a bunch of really bad quarterbacks and receivers to what he saw in May and June. So um, I don't put much stock in that early first impression. Um, they got to do better. I, I, you know, can any of those guys tackle? Sullivan's been, yeah. Can 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 John Charles tackle? I don't know. That's a. I mean, that's. And in the slot, you're, you're kind of like a linebacker. You're, I mean, you're really close to the ball. And if you can't play run defense, they're going to they're gonna make you play run defense. Right. And that's why I think it's probably more likely we see a Savage or a Jair in the slot more often than a Sullivan or a Jean Charles, just because Savage and Jair, we know they can tackle. Um, and they're probably better against the run than, than a I don't want to say a pure nickel corner, but Jean Charles and Sullivan are nickel corners. The other two guys would be stars. And that's kind of the, the point of that role is it requires a little bit more and it requires a guy who can do a little bit more. So um, I don't know how much we'll see of, uh, of a true nickel corner, even though that star is technically lined up where a nickel corner would be um, next from Spencer. How much is Russ ball to blame for how all of this went down? The guy is supposed to be the contract wizard yet somehow lowballed Rogers enough with the original restructure slash extension talks that Rogers went nuclear ball did the same thing with Darren Rizzi in 2019. Uh, in all honesty, we, we don't know because we don't know exactly how these talks between Rogers and, and the front office went down. What I do know is I believe Mark Murphy is the one who Rogers has the biggest issue with. Um, and still does. There's no reason that that's fixed, even though Rogers is here, but Russ ball has certainly been part of all those discussions. Um, he's a reason. I don't know how much of a reason, but a reason why uh, a week ago they cut off long-term extension talks with Devonte Adams. Those might be resumed now that Rogers is back. Who knows? But yeah, Russ ball, uh, I don't know how much he is to blame, but he's heavily involved. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I mean we don't know what Rogers has actually offered, right? I mean, they could, right. they could offer the guy two years and a zillion dollars, but if there's no guaranteed money, then it's just fluff. By the same token, did they offer him two years with all $90 million guaranteed, which would be an unprecedented contract? If if, if Rodgers passed on that contract, then what the, what the hell Russ, what's, what's Russ supposed to do? So Right. I know, until, that, I know that was out there. I will say quickly, I know that $90 million guaranteed that he turned down was out there. That is not true. Um, I've been told that. That is blatantly false that he turned down 90 million guaranteed. But the point is, uh, Russ is involved, but we just don't know. We, it, it would be unfair for us to say, oh, he's to blame this much. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see it. But <clears throat> again, we don't, we don't know the inner workings of, of things. But yeah, I would, I would think Goody and, and Murphy are more of an issue than Russ Paul. Sig Andrews says, I understand it's hearsay at this point, but if the pack are able to trade for Cobb, would this put Funchess's potential roster spot in jeopardy for cap reasons um, or roster spots? Once again, assuming Funchess were to make the team. 
like like I said, I I think let's say they do trade for Randall Cobb. I'll inter- entertain that hypothetical for a second. I think it would more so put that sixth guy, whether it be Winfrey, St. Brown, um, or Malik Taylor in jeopardy. I think Funchess would be that fourth or fifth guy, especially if he can have a nice camp. Listen, Funchess is has has proven some stuff in this league. Yes, he has not played the last two seasons, the major the vast majority of them, but he could be a nice red zone threat. I mean, we, we didn't see much from him. He didn't do much in, in the off season, but he just looks like a wide receiver who can go up and get a jump ball in the end zone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Devonte Adams really, really was point blank said, like, he, he's a dog. He's going to help us out. Something along those lines. Devonte, Devonte is an early believer. Now the guys dropped a lot of passes in his career, but man, oh man, there aren't many guys on earth that look like Devin Funches at receiver. So, right. Again, we know, We've seen EQ for a few years now. It's at some point, don't you say, well, let's give someone else a shot at it. So I would, yep. I would think Funches might be okay. From Jimmy, there's a lot of concern around the players and their contracts. How is Matt LaFleur doing? He has seemed to be the peacemaker and doing a great job as a head coach. I've said, and this is the same thing with Jordan Love. He's in an unfortunate position. You know, Matt LaFleur is a head coach and that's stating the obvious, but head coaches in this league need to win now. General managers don't need to win now. Head coaches have a lot shorter of a leash. They need immediate results. Who does Matt LaFleur need for the best immediate results? Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure he's a lot happier now than he has been the entire offseason, but you know he's been in an awkward spot because you can't speak out in favor of Rodgers because then you're speaking out against the people who hired you, and you can't speak out against or, or for the people who hired you because then you speak out against the guy who you need to come back to help you keep your job. I'm not saying Matt LaFleur is on the hot seat. He'd obviously get some leash if Rodgers were to leave, but um, I think he's handled it well. I don't know how else he would have handled it. Yeah, I agree. You know, coaches want to win games. Co- coaches, the coach's mindset is right now. Um, they don't have to deal with the long-term stuff that, that the GM has to do with. So, yeah, I'm sure Matt LaFleur is doing cartwheels, even on his surgically repaired Achilles, um, to get Rodgers back for even, even, if, even if it's for one year. Right. He's just got to be absolutely thrilled. From hashtag fire Goody. Nice. Is Jordan Love going to have the most anticipated influential preseason that any player has had? I'm, no. I'm anticipating it. Uh, I'm excited for it. We didn't get to see him last year. This will be a great measuring stick for kind of where he's at. It still won't be a completely accurate indication of where he's at, but um, if we're already looking ahead to next offseason and, and Rodgers won't be here, I think this preseason could give the Packers their first real indication of what they have in Jordan Love, and I'm intrigued to see what they do have. Yep, three preseason games. You know, number twelve isn't playing any of those, any of those suckers. So yeah, yeah, it's gonna be three games of Jordan Love, and you know, kind of like those offseason practices, Matt, where, where Love took to exaggerate. He took every snap. I mean, there, he, there was like stretches of like twenty snaps in a row during those things. It's right. like, why, why do you have all these quarterbacks on your roster? If they don't play, so I would expect the preseason to be much the same. Or Jordan Love's going to play a, um, a a bleep ton worth of snaps, and everybody else is going to be fighting for scraps. You're right. Um, preseason's not going to tell you for sure anything about Love, but you should get some hints. From Brad E, when do we get to see throwback uniforms? Not a clue. I thought yesterday something would happen. Well, I guess not. I I guess it'll be sometime in August, right? That's the only option here. Yeah. Um, weren't they supposed to be like 50s era? I don't know. 
That'll you know, be fun. Yeah. As long as we can read the number, those blue jerseys with the yellow dot, those numbers are really hell to read. I didn't, I was not a fan. Right. From Arvid, how probable is a Devonte Adams extension before week one at this point? Um, more probable than it was a week ago when, mm -hmm. uh, the Packers were kind of refusing to make him the highest paid wide receiver in the league. What I'm interested in, and I'd like to ask Devonte this, would you take something less than highest paid wide receiver in the league? Because Aaron, if that means Aaron is more likely to stay here long-term, it'll be tough because Devonte's under contract for this year. But if Aaron's only here for one more year, does that change Devonte's perspective on signing here long-term? I know there are reports that, uh, those, those negotiations negotiations have kind of been rekindled, but um, I'd assume he still wants to be paid like the high, like the best wide receiver in the league. Yeah, um, the only team that can pay him is the Packers. You know, no, nobody else can pay him right now. Um, so, do you gamble on getting through this season healthy and being our usual self, um, hit free agency, and then cash in? Do you gamble on that? Or do you let it play out, try to get a better feel for where your best friend, I don't think he's his best friend, but your friend Aaron Rodgers, what, what he's going to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I do think a Rodgers restructure gives him some more money. Um, so, yeah, that's it's it's fascinating. Um, you know, Rod, Adams is going to be 29, I think, at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Would you pay a 29-year-old receiver top receiver money, knowing that he's going to be getting – Lots and lots and lots of money when he's 32 and 33. That's an interesting question. I'd say yes, just because, you know, even if he has a little bit of a drop-off, he had a historically good season last mm -hmm. year. Um, and let's say you do have Jordan Love after this season. You need a guy like Devontae Adams to make sure you get the most out of Jordan Love. So even if... He's 32 at, at the end of his current contract. You look at Julio Jones, he's almost 32. He's still a top five wide receiver in the league. Granted, uh, Julio Jones is a future Hall of Famer. Devontae, not yet. But I see no reason why Devontae can't have, you know, all pro seasons for the next couple of years. Yeah, probably not. I probably agree with that. Um, I just wonder about a guy who's not super tall. He's not super fast. And if there's any, any dim diminished skills, um, does that does that catch up to him? I don't know. I mean, I really he's this unbelievable route runner. And maybe that and maybe that doesn't go away with age. I have no idea. That's way above uh, my limited expertise. But I just wonder um, if he slips some. Does he slip a lot? I don't know. I just maybe from the team perspective, that's a concern. Right. All right. Two more from Brad Spencer. Does Amari Rogers play the hybrid motion man role this year, replacing Tyler Irvin? I could see that. I, I don't know how much they'll feed Tim on offense right away. I think where we'll see him have the biggest impact, at least at the start, is on special teams. He was getting uh, the first reps at, at kick returner, punt returner, during or punt returner, I guess. They didn't do kickoffs during uh, off-season work. But I, I could see him being a guy who's that gadget piece on offense in addition to being the guy out of the slot. I think, you know, if he, if he understands the offense and, and gains Aaron Rodgers' trust and can – integrate himself in there the first couple of weeks. He's not going to get the books thrown at him the first couple of weeks, but let's say mid season coaches are really happy with where he's at. I think he could be a really nice piece down the stretch for this team. Yeah, totally great. 
Randall Cobb's a good player, but who do you want with the ball on a jet sweep? Randall Cobb's 190 pounds or whatever he is. Amari's like 207. I just think that that role is a lot better for Rodgers than it is for Cobb. So I, I think you got to get him in there. The kick return thing is interesting. He really was never very good at Clemson with it. So it'll be interesting to see how he does against better competition. He had a touchdown in 18, but really didn't do his, didn't really do too much his last two years at Clemson. And here's uh, an interesting tweet that I just came across. Brandon Cooks, who's probably the Texans' best player, tweeted, you meet people and they become family right away. At RCOB18, go back home and set it off. Wow. Breaking news, perhaps. Uh, is Randall Cobb back on the baggers already? I'm just scrolling up through my Twitter feed. I don't see anything yet. And there are a lot of reporters, yourself included on the beat, who know Randall Cobb a lot better than I do. So I won't be breaking this story. But um, that'll be interesting. That'll be very interesting to see if Randall Cobb comes back to the Green Bay Packers. Shows um, the quarterback's got some power because. From a football perspective, that makes almost no sense at all. Correct. I agree. But who knows? Uh, last one. Shoot, I went out of my mentions, but I remember the question. I don't remember who asked it. How does the Packers version of The Last Dance end? Before I answer that, I would like to say we need to stop calling it The Last Dance. With all due respect to how good Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are, they are not Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Right. Devontae Adams may end up being, you know, the secondary piece on a Super Bowl team. but And even if Devontae is considered, at the end of his career, more talented at football than Scottie Pippen was at basketball, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen won five championships together before they went into the last dance. And then they won yep. a sixth. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have won zero championships together. They've lost in four NFC championship four. games together. Yes, Aaron Rodgers has a Super Bowl, but give some respect to the Chicago Bulls. Like, and that's no dis. I don't want that to be misconstrued as trashing Rodgers and Adams. They're arguably the two best players in the world at what they do. But in terms of legacy, and I listen, I understand by saying the last dance, you're not li literally saying they're Michael right. Jordan and Scottie Pippen. But let's find another another phrase for it. I, I think, and and the storyline. It's either going to end in the NFC Championship game again, or they're going to win the Super Bowl. Those are the only two options for how this season ends. Yeah, that's a great point. And look, and I, I understand why Rodgers and Adams did that because everybody knew the reference. They saw and everybody. I mean, you, you were probably the first person who saw it on social media. Um, I, yeah, I don't. For, for the, I don't think Rodgers and Adams are saying we're Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. No, I don't think that. It was an easy reference that everybody would understand. Right. So I don't think they're going down that way, but. And I'm guilty, but I should probably stop using it too. But it's just a way, it's a way for me to link to my story. Right. <laughs> but you're right. They've, they've, they've done, they've been really good, but they have not been good enough. Um, look, there's, you're right. There's no reason why these guys can't win a Super Bowl. If David Bakhtiari is healthy versus Tampa Bay, they win that game. Because there's no way on God's green earth that Aaron Rodgers has sacked five games with Bakhtiari at left tackle and Billy Turner at right tackle. Instead of Turner at left and Rick Wagner at right, there's a 0% chance it's five sacks. It's a 0% chance. It's probably even three. Aaron Rodgers would have lit those guys up. But yep. there's a uh, injuries. There's no excuse. And that's how it goes. That is how it goes. I will maintain. I think they would have made the Super Bowl if David Bakhtiari was healthy. And it looks like he's close to it. So it's been a long training camp preview episode. We will be back 
with you guys every week, once a week. Probably not this long of an episode, but we can't thank you enough for sending in your questions. We hope we did a, a nice job of kind of glossing over the roster. You know, every week we'll be talking training camp battles, what we're seeing at practice, our observations, updates on the long snapper battle, everything. <laughs> and you guys know to tune in, and we can't thank you enough for doing so. So uh, for Bill, myself, been a pleasure. It's good to talk to you guys again. We'll see you next time.